Hello, Cult Hackers, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Celine, a media graduate with an interest in cults. And I'm Stephen Maffer, Celine's dad. Also interested in cults, I'm an organisational psychologist. I was also raised in a cult and I left when I was about 30. Yeah, so. everyone's favourite bit. You're my dad. They love it. They love the Farmer <laughs> right. Daughter podcast, don't they? I think it's great. <laughs> no, I like it too. It's kind of cool. Uh, right. Okay. So today we're going to do our second part of authority, aren't we? We're going to look uh-huh. at that again. Uh, a couple of responses to uh, messages, I suppose, from people mm. who listened to the podcast last time about so the previous authority episode. Yeah. Mm, um, yeah. So there was a, a Twitter user called Hayward Gatch who said, very interesting episode towards your comments on anarchy um, stroke anarchism. It makes me wonder if you've ever spoken to an anarchist. Anarchists don't necessarily advocate no system. They tend to advocate or try for a system without built-in hierarchy and domination. Um, So, yeah, thanks, Hayward Gatch. Um, I liked the comment because I always like people um, engaging and asking questions. And I do feel that we probably didn't speak with as much authority or knowledge as as we normally like to when we, we quote something. So... Um, have we spoken to an anarchist about that? No. Um, well, like I've, I went to Goldsmiths, so there's a lot of self-proclaimed anarchists there. <laughs> so I'm probably basing it on my experience yeah. of anarchists, which yeah. is bear in mind, 18 through to about 25 year olds opinion on anarchy. So yeah. I suppose I'll put my hands up and say my opinion of anarchy is based on the the voted most left wing uni in all of the of England and Scotland. So bear that in mind my viewpoint of anarchy is the extreme left point of view i suppose yeah and i think uh, but what i started to realize when i started to do a bit more research following that message was um, actually it's really difficult to to put your finger on what anarchy or anarchism actually mm. means means because it it's um it depends upon which version mm. of anarchism you're talking about or anarchy you're talking about so um yeah very very difficult to come down on one side or the other so i did um i did some thinking and some reading and some listening to various people talking about um, anarchism and um yeah i i think there's different schools what i found really interesting was that anarchism is generally considered to be an extreme left wing position mm. um but it sounds so much like the sort of extreme libertarianism, the right wing libertarianism that is quite popular these days. So there's something going on there. There's like an anti-establishment um, distrust yeah. of authority and experts and interference by government. And that those two poles do share. Oh, there is a, a thing about it thing. being a circle and not a line, though, isn't there? <laughs> So, you know, the um, political yeah, spectrum being that's right. a circle and not a line. So. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So uh, probably without getting into, um, again, ad hoc um, conversations mm. about things that perhaps we haven't discussed in, in great detail or haven't researched, maybe that's another thing for another day to get into in more detail. Um, mm. But I think maybe I it think... just needs a rebrand, though, because it does sound quite terrifying, does it not? Well, the word <laughs> anarchy, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. But um, it, yeah, it's we'll also associated sometime, with punk music for me because um, mm. as I was growing up uh, in the 1970s, punk music was around, and that was um, anarchy was very much the thing uh, yeah. during that time. So I think, yeah. it's like I, said, I guess we had our own associations based on how we've grown up. That's so right. yeah, yours is coming yeah. from that background. Mine's coming from. Um, like I said, a eight a, around an eighteen to twenty five year old um, left wing approach to an like uh, extreme left wing approach to anarchy, which was burn it all down and we're all and it's we're doomed anyway. Was a lot of like what I heard. Yeah. Um, yeah. Things have positive kind of um, gotten a little bit more positive in my particular sphere recently, um, but it used to be a bit. There's nothing we can do. It's all doomed anyway. So I guess yeah. that's kind of where I was coming from. Luckily, things have improved and there's a bit more positive outlook now. But um, from my particular group of um, of uh, anarchist touch points, but you know. <laughs> okay, um, so that's um, that. That's an interesting sort of a little diversion into anarchy. Um, the other the other thing was uh, a friend of the podcast, um, Spencer Watson, who mm. whose podcast is called Truth Unrestricted. Um, he's he's had quite a lengthy note um which was all around 
scenarios really where so he was talking particularly about the concept of reactants um, and he, he came up with some scenarios where reactants might not be a thing um, so he talked about uh, a child that's given instructions not to take a cookie from the jar um, they might take the cookie if they think they can get away with it I guess but they might not if they don't think they could um, there's a few scenarios and, and the fourth one is a cult leader intuitively understands that a sense of shared goals or ideation will assist in maintaining control over their followers and so manufactures a goal and constantly directs their followers to focus on it so what he's saying there is uh, reactants might not apply and I think we did sort of touch on that um, actually because we're saying how it gets overridden that's yeah. right. so it's like I, I guess the idea is we don't so it's a very tricky one to unpick this. So first off, the question is, is reactance nat quite, quite natural? Is reactance a nature or a nurture? Point one, that that is something that, you know, you've got to untangle, I suppose. And then if it is nature, let's say, if, if it's human nature to be re to have reactance, then I guess you might be saying cults override this natural response by putting in other stimuli that are also potentially natural responses or whatever to to authority or wanting to please or group think or whatever so it's a bunch of potentially natural responses and some are more strong than others some when used in certain ways can override others you know tactful use of these different behaviors to get the right or preferred response whatever like that or it's learned behavior um, and then you can still make an argument for it through that but again if you learn it, you might start react with reactants but you learn that that's not working well for you so you you know it's it's all very complicated <laughs> yeah i i actually don't think it matters whether it's um, nature or nurture um if it's a a human psychological phenomena then it actually doesn't matter okay. either way it's just you know it's something that we do and i think it is something that is natural but it it's again it's like everything it's on a spectrum in terms of people's tendency to react in that way um so that's the first one i think though so in cognitive psychology there's we talk about things called mediators and moderators so i think you've always got to include or think about those so whenever you're thinking about a psychological phenomena um whatever it is so reactance is as good as any to think about so you might say yes um this is a, a response but it is moderated by x y and z so you can have a a diagram that shows that um this sort of instructions let's say instruction from a parent or instruction from an authority um will lead to reactants but in the middle of that there's there could be a number of moderating factors so moderator could be yeah um feelings of oneness with a group a shared goal um feelings of love towards the person that's told you to do something or not do it feelings of fear towards the person who's told you told you not to do it or to do it so these would all be moderating factors and um, you, you also might have mediating factors. So mediating factors are things that contribute to it, make it stronger. So mediating factors um, for reactants could be, you know, you get up in a bad mood. That could be a mediating factor to reactants or you've, you're hungry. Or, or could it be like, you know, when you're a teen and you're being reactant yeah. towards your parents and you get encouraged to be like that by your friends as well because you're all... Yeah, and hormones, you know, you know your, your yeah. blood is pumped full of hormones. Yeah. And, uh, all Life's of just so, angry, you know. <laughs> yeah. so these would, have been, these would yeah. be mediating facts. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so all of this um, creates a very complicated picture. Mm. So, yeah, um, I think, Spencer, that's, that's kind of what you're looking at. You're looking at lots of... Uh, moderators in particular which is why it doesn't always happen um, this is one of the the challenges with psychology and why psychologists often end up looking like they don't know what they're talking about because you can't really predict people that well because you don't know all the mediators and moderators that is yeah so and, and the bit that was more speculative was um, I suppose was the how does cults afterwards affect um, 
after leaving a court, how are you affected? How what's your reactance like afterwards? That was us kind of saying, well, if this is happening, like what yeah, does that maybe absolutely mean to you post? Are you going to be more reactant? You're going to be less reactant? Like that was a bit more of just a conversation piece, I suppose. I agree, and um, yeah, I, as far as I know, there is no research currently on that. So yeah, um, so many fantastic areas of research that could be mm. done around this subject, but that is one that I don't know um whether anything's been done i don't think it has okay good um so after all that let's get on to the second part of authority oh yeah i mean we've already started on authority i suppose by doing that little recap which is good because bearing in mind we do the these episodes every other week so it's good it's got everyone back in the frame of mind you sitting comfortably and all that (laughs) so yeah um how are we kicking off this particular segment though yeah so let's just define what we're talking about here so when we talked about authority last time we we really i suppose we focused on the authority of things like governments um and and the police and authority figures like school teachers those sorts of very traditional authority figures power over Mm -hmm. us yeah um so that's where we were focused last time but i thought the other type of authority that is a bit different is this sort of expert authority um so this is the authority that comes from somebody that is considered to be an expert we trust them Mm. because we think they are an expert in that particular um, subject so anything from you know politics to to wine tasting to gastronomy you know, we, we often look to expertise to um, give us guidance, I guess, about what yeah. is this is why I see good, what's not so good. Sponsored brand deals with people a lot, isn't it? And things like that's that. That's right. Yeah. Because that sells way better than, um, you know, someone you don't know and you don't know much about. If they, if they come in being an expert in fitness and they say Gym Shark's the best ever, then you're like, oh. That's right. You know, if you can get um, Gordon Ramsay to sponsor your like, cuisine or your box, your your um your little delivery box, this that's is right. the best meal kit ever. Oh, Gordon right. Ramsay likes it. Oh, Gordon Ramsay likes it. Therefore, it must be good because yeah. he's considered to be an authority. He wouldn't say it's good if it wasn't. That's mm. that's that's the theory. Yes. So that's the sort of authority that we're going to talk about today. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've a little bit of a well thinking about it i put a little bit of a list together in terms of you know how does somebody become an authority but mm. i think i'll ask you that question first so mm-hmm. there's a number of ways what what do you think how how does somebody become considered an authority in something uh, it's very tricky now in um in the modern world i suppose because of everyone's got a platform and an ability to become seen as an expert i suppose it depends on let's say um on nutrition me personally i would say having a qualification or recognized regulated qualification in nutrition and diet dietetics would be how i would say that um, and that and it doesn't require them having a um, online presence or platform um but i would say <laughs> In today's world, it's a little bit flipped. <laughs> For these youngsters out there, so yeah, so old already. Well, no, it's not, is it? Because um, it's just you know, I think I'm becoming more aware as I consume more content that is using sources, research, and evidence-based stuff. Because that's what I want to engage with more. Then you kind of get it feels like you've been flashed bombed. Then when you return to the previous content. <laughs> because you're like you sort of see it and it's like the glass breaks you know and you're like oh yeah Mm. they don't know anything they're just like this is just my story i'm not saying you know and they'll say stuff like i'm not an expert Mm. but then they're they're telling it as though it is so it's interesting but yeah having recognized qualifications because i think people can have qualifications but recognized qualifications um in their field (laughs) because that's another thing being a being a chiropractor and saying that you're an expert in vaccines is yeah. not what i would say i do 
No, um, um, absolutely. Um, so that's I've got that down here in my mm -hmm. list as reaching a standard that is legitimised by mm -hmm. another authority. So um, things like degrees, masters, yeah. PhDs, things and, like that. You know, and it's in some things don't require a qualification, but in some things they do. So medicine, health, science, you know, like they require recognized scientific review, doing research or, you know, working in agreed consensus as well. And you know what I mean? So yeah. um, if someone's a massive outlier, um, I, I really want some good research as to, you know, yeah, why I should believe yeah. them over the general consensus. Um, you know, if you're going to be an expert in um, like something that's less that's not less scientific based i suppose that's fine because you can be an expert in in other areas that don't require a qualification like you can be an incredible designer of fashion and not have like mm. a degree in fashion design i don't think we yeah, want to so cut everything off but in no. certain areas it is required and necessary so i guess one of the one of the things that might um that might give you some legitimacy is if you've kind of achieved something in that area. So like design is a good example of mm -hmm. that. So yeah, um, maybe this, this person never went to design school. They never, they never got any qualifications, but they designed some pretty fantastic stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. So just the fact that they, they are demonstrating the skills and knowledge and abilities to do something in itself can lead us to believe they are an authority in that area. So evidence or proofs um, that they have the required knowledge and skills often is seen as a reason to, to um, make them an authority in something. Mm -hmm. I was raised in a cult. Of course, if you'd have asked me all those years ago or anyone else in our small fundamentalist church if we were a cult, we'd have indignantly replied, absolutely not. Other groups like the Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses, they're cults, but we're not a cult. Everything became normalized, though, but it wasn't until decades later, after I deconstructed my entire belief system and walked away from the Christian faith entirely, that I began to see just how cultish the whole thing actually was. But before all of that, for over 20 years, I'd served both as a pastor and a Bible college teacher, so I had a hand in it, furthering the toxicity also. So in the process of rebuilding my life and discovering my authentic identity, I've got lots to work through, things like religious trauma syndrome, rapture anxiety, and just so much more. Join me, Dr. Clint Haycock, on the MindShift podcast as we take a look at such topics as cult tactics and psychology, religious trauma syndrome and religious addiction, taking your life back after leaving a cult or high-control group, and finally, dominion theology and the dangers posed by the Christian right, not just in America, but indeed the world. You can find my show on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. Who knows, it might just be time for a mind shift. If you're enjoying the podcast, you can support it by becoming a patron. You can support the podcast for just £1 or $1.50 and receive a variety of Patreon benefits as a thank you. Don't forget to share the podcast, follow, like, subscribe and rate the podcast on the podcast app you're using. A review is particularly helpful as it gets us recognised by new listeners. And finally, if you'd like to reach out to us and tell us about some court hacking you've been involved in, or you just want to say hi, you can do so by going to courthackers.com and using the contact form. We love hearing from our court hackers. Thank you for listening, and now back to the podcast. Experience is another one, so... Yeah, I was going to say experience you know, next. Yeah, so if somebody's been doing something for many years and you think, well, you know, they must have learned something along the well, way. Well, yeah, like, you know, that person that can make beautiful stuff in woodwork or, you know, like, yeah, and, and it's, and they say it's down to years and years of practice and work and effort in order to get this beautiful thing, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's sim similar really to the proof that, that we talked about. Um, <laughs> I think just general years, um, it may be a bit spurious that in some respects because sometimes people 
have been doing things for a long time but doing them very very badly (laughs) (laughs) but it it goes as it's like a validating point isn't it so i suppose it's like well they seem really competent and good at what they do oh and they've been doing it for 20 years cool you know i mean it's like an additional but you know psychologically we definitely do like to see that in our experts and authorities i think um so there's that one and i've i've got another one which is more institutional authority Um. so um, who you work that, for who's recognized you and yeah, i suppose yeah and, and some i guess institutions that themselves have a sense of authority so uh, again we go to universities professional bodies things like that so um you know i'm a member of the british psychological society yeah. um the reason i am a member of that body is because i think that people recognize that mm-hmm. and um it allows me to um, say I am a member of this respected body yeah. that gives me um, some more credibility. credibility. So yeah, and um, I guess the, the other one is um, the claim to expertise, which is kind of what you mentioned at the beginning is self-promotion really or self-proclamation. Um, you know, I'm an expert in such and such. Anybody can claim to be an expert. Yeah. Um, and there are many people who do claim to be an expert. Um, and you know. I was talking about this the other day in a training course I was doing about leadership and management. You know, I was saying there's lots of great things you can find out online, but just be careful because there's lots of people who think they're experts in leadership and they they um, proclaim this from their bedroom on a YouTube channel. It doesn't mm-hmm. make them an expert just because they say they are. Mm. Um, so I think it's worth it's worth just being aware of the different ways that authority can be claimed and given um we live in a time when we mentioned this quote last time but i'm just going to say it again um so a an mp michael gove who was one of the architects of brexit said i think the people of this country have had enough of experts with organizations with acronyms saying that they know what is best and getting it consistently wrong um so a lot of this was because when oh, it's experts, just woeful though isn't it <laughs> well when experts say things that politicians don't like when they use their expertise to to make predictions let's say that that politicians don't like of course they they poo poo the experts but what, what i wanted to reflect on though was why there seems to be a greater skepticism about experts um so part of it is political but also I think there's a few things going on. So well, why, why are experts who, you know, we used to see as authorities, why are they being undermined? Well, one phrase that is bandied around all the time, I feel like everyone can feel it coming, is do your own research. I've done my research, for instance, and I think there's a lack of understanding or gravity given to actual research and what that means. Um, so I guess when it's suggested that these people have done their research. They somehow are managing to put them on the same level as their own research. And they say, well, they did their research and I did my research. And I came to the conclusion that vaccines are bad um, as though they've done the the same or that the world is flat or Mm. that eating exclusively fruit is healthy and good or eating exclusively meat is healthy and good. Whatever, you know, it's, I think, you know, the ability to really wholeheartedly believe that without any of the foundation of degrees and learning and everything you go through to, you know, become a nutritionist, a physicist, a, you know, whatever other, um, like doctor, so on, medical doctor, that um, that somehow from the comfort of their own bedroom on Wikipedia or whatever, random source they pull out is as good as that do you know what i mean it's something yeah. it's being blown up and equated as the same level of do your own research danger danger yeah, so i think i think at this point it's worth it's worth saying that um i don't believe that we should hold up on a pedestal anybody so i think you know just because somebody says well i studied at harvard or i've got no, a degree not harvard, on an individual level that's that's not what we're saying here no. and i think that's as dangerous as anything really so yeah it's not it's not just because you've got a degree or just because you've got a phd therefore you must be an authority 
But I think the point is, is as you said, how do you get to that point where you can be considered an authority or an expert in something? And there are um, certain hoops that you have to go through, certain length of time, certain things that you have to do in order to demonstrate a certain amount of yeah. knowledge and learning about something. And again, what I mentioned before is that there are there will be professionals that go against the general consensus, yeah. just like there's, yeah. there's, you know, scientists that don't believe in climate change when, what is it, like 97% of scientists in that area do believe in climate change um, and will you know, not just believe it, will have evidence to it. Um but there will be people that that don't just like there are medical doctors that don't um, agree with vaccines and and are against vaccines there will always be um outliers and it's not to say that they're always wrong just because they're outside of the consensus um i guess it's generally med the, the scientific consensus is good and a good base point to work from but and it's and you can always at that point yes yeah, start engaging with the literature in the meat and the, the 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 it's just really hard this is the next step i think that we'll get into which is it's hard for people who do want to do their own research to get hold of the research that the academics are referencing instead of the random stuff you can find on the internet that's so easy to get compared to the research so i suppose yeah talking myself into the next point there but do you want to well pick up? Uh, yeah i think i think that's right and um so we've talked before about paywalls um surrounding um academic research the other problem is even when the pay rule paywalls are removed um the language and the way that the research is done is certainly not as easy to read or easy to follow or easy to understand as you know somebody with great graphics on youtube so um, and that's always going to be the case because academic stuff has to be robust and um, there's probably some things that could be done a bit more user-friendly, but I think there's limits to what you can do there. You, you can't make scientific papers the same way as you can a PowerPoint presentation. So um, it, it, it has to be um, that you need a certain amount of understanding to actually be able to understand some of these papers and that is one of the problems and obviously some um i guess pseudo experts use that to their advantage but yeah um being able to source well-respected peer-reviewed work i think is important um one of the one of the things that i suppose we have to be aware of is that you know politics does play a part in this as well and and i'm you know i'm willing to um admit is the wrong word but accept that sometimes consensus is wrong you know and and yeah. sometimes things change and i want to i want to actually come to this because i think this is an important reason why people have lost faith in experts um part of the reason is because the experts themselves are to blame so i i think that you know, we need to look at academia and we need to look at the people who are um, who are actually the experts, who are the authorities and why it is that they've lost the battle a little bit with other people who are, I don't know, producing um, more attractive ways of, of getting the message across. I mean, a good example of this, and I've mentioned Graham Ham Hancock before because he used to be the guy that I read um, when I was interested in the old ancient aliens thing, going back to right at the time when I left Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, my very earliest studies led me down a bit of a, of a rabbit hole. Um, I've talked about this, and I think our second ever episode. Mm -hmm. um, and so if you want to catch that, you can. Um, so my slightly embarrassing venture into the world of um not ancient, ancient aliens, aliens as much as ancient civilizations, I think. Um, sure. Anyway, Graham Hancock has just produced a new Netflix series, which um, I've been seeing quite a lot of debunking going on. It feels like um, all of a sudden archaeologists have woken up to the fact that there's this alternative story being told and they actually need to get in on it. 
Um, and I welcome that. I think that's really important to engage with these other voices. So, you know, if you don't agree with Graham Hancock, then get on YouTube and start talking about it, I say to these other archaeologists or experts. And they are. So that's great, because now yeah. you can have the alternative view as well. There are more... Um actual factual experts on social media now and doing yeah. the uh, debunking and we'll yeah. say that which is useful it is it's great and we, we you know we need more of that i think so that's one of the things i think the experts themselves don't always help they're slow sometimes unwilling to engage with genuine questions and and sometimes they probably sound stupid questions to the experts but you know it's important to I guess, keep answering those questions because people continue to wonder about it. And if it seems like they're just not being engaged with, then then they'll go elsewhere. I mean, I remember a kind of Twitter experience. I was looking at, when I was doing my master's in organisational psychology, there was a number of psychologists I was following. And there was a little discussion amongst them about um, popularising psychology and so on and this one psychologist said oh it's a waste of time i've stopped um i've stopped popularizing um and using stories to talk about psychology um it's just a waste of time you know uh, and i thought to myself you are a psychologist do you not understand people because <laughs> <laughs> there's no good just sitting in your ivory tower creating papers um that's just not that's not going to work is it so um, I think it, you know the experts themselves can uh, take some of the some of the blame. Um, of course, fake news is the other problem, um, and and part of this is the tactic of flooding the media with false stories. Um, mm -hmm. Now, I I don't know if you remember Adam Curtis's um, documentary Celine, called Hyper Normalization. I do big chunky documentary. It's a very big, chunky documentary. Um, I recommend if you're a listener to... Stupid comment. If you're a listener. If you're not a listener, then don't, don't do this at all. <laughs> <laughs> so, listeners, I recommend you listen or watch Hypernormalisation. It's by a filmmaker called Adam Curtis. Um, and this was going back to 2016, which scared the pants off me, really, um, because it seems like only yesterday... So this is going back quite a long time. And he, in that documentary, talks about the Russian, well, a Russian group called Political Technologists mm -hmm. who supported Putin sort of through his however many years he's been in power. And they they were influenced by the science fiction writers, the Strugatsky brothers. Um, and they had this kind of very strange way of writing where everything wasn't quite as it seemed. And there was other big names within this, these political technologists who realized that if you just flood the media and flood the zone with stories and ideas, um, opposing ideas and opposing stories, they would support political movements and the anti-political movements. So they were trying to create, they were trying to create chaos essentially and uh, a sphere that was so confusing that in the end you just go you just go oh well they're all as bad as each other and you stop believing anything and that was a strategy and that's quite interesting because back in 2016 i think we were only just beginning to notice some of the things that were happening on social media and um it very much seems like that so i think that's one of the other things is that you end up hearing so many alternative voices, so many ideas that all seem, you know, coming from different directions that you end up confused by it all and you just throw up your hands and say, well, I'm not going to listen to any of them. I'm just going to do my gardening. So I thought that was that was kind of interesting. Interesting and sad. <laughs> it is, yeah. Um, I, I wonder if, if we are getting slightly more wise to that now. I feel like maybe... Um, obviously it's still a burning issue. It's where a lot of these, what we might term conspiracy theories, again, a slightly contested term and slightly controversial term, but it's where a lot of those things stem from. You know, you see on Twitter people making comments and it's clear that it's either a bot or it's somebody that is just trying to 
muddy the waters and just trying to get a response, you know. Mm. Um, and I think that's part of the issue, really. I think at some point I'll have to read this book as well, something like why I don't read the news or stop reading the news or something like that or stop listening to it or something. Um, and it's not that you just stop engaging with it at all, but it's just a way of engaging with the news in a more healthy and reasonable way. Because also, I suppose, compounding that, lots of different news coming out of all different positions and confusing and stuff is that the news is now 24 hours all the time. So there's con- there's a need for constant content yeah. um, that we didn't have previously. I suppose it's still fairly new, isn't it? Um, and yeah, and just if you may, even if you're not a news channel, if you're just a YouTuber or whatever you are, like you, the, the need to make new content every week yeah. or whatever yeah. cycle it is it's quite easy to like i guess you know yeah you've sort of got to make something got to chug something out yeah absolutely yeah um totally agree with that there's um, there's another issue i think that has reduced our confidence in authority in terms of experts and that is the way that the media often highlight studies and things like that that are very small and very fringe but they love quoting the latest study in some sort of dietary thing like, um, mm. you know, the latest um, information is that drinking wine is good for you. And then the next one is drinking wine is bad for you. I mean, and then, what's the current status on eggs? I was just going to say that. Eggs, I have no idea. Are eggs good, Are for, eggs or bad good for you? Are eggs good or bad? I decide they're good. <laughs> um, yeah, but... But that's what happens, isn't it? So everybody just goes, oh, I don't really care what anybody says anymore because you can't no. make your mind up. So um, that's another way that the whole idea around experts gets undermined. And the problem is, is that what what is hap- what is happening there with the research is, is fine. You know, a study say, suggests this, but it's a small study. Only and it a couple often of hundred says people. it requires further research because the That's study's right. not doing anything wrong. The study's no. doing what the study needs to do. It's just people get their little mitts on it <laughs> and they start yeah. running away with it as though it's like, as though yeah. it's consensus already. That's right. Um, yeah. Like that's the carnivore you, yeah. diet, when someone reads a little yeah. snippet and they're like, and this is why meat was good and it fixed this particular man's gut. And they're like, to the, you know, and off they go. <laughs> to the butchers. Yeah. 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 So, um, so that's part of the problem, I think, is that the way that we handle scientific stories is not done very well. So and people. every individual bit like a breakthrough rather than a piece. Yeah. 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 And sometimes the. Um, Part of the problem is with the way that research is done itself, mm. um, always trying to find the novel and the new rather and, than replicating the or trying to replicate previous studies. And it does require funding. So you've got to make it sound good and interesting and like things are going well as well. <laughs> yeah. You keep receiving those funds, you know. That's right. And we have a bias towards the novel and the new. So this mm. is one of the big problems in psychology is that if you want to do a study um trying to reproduce an existing um idea or a study that somebody's already done you think well i want to replicate that or want to have a go at replicating that to see if we get the same results that is so important we have to do that it just doesn't happen does it nobody cares you know no well the funders don't that's right because um is it doesn't your ph i think phds have to be novel by um i mean you you struggle to for your supervisor to um, sort of sign it off, mm. they're, they're going to want it to, to have some some novel or something. You know, is this adding to the scientific knowledge? Is it something that we has not been studied before? And often in papers, when you read them, um, in the abstract even, it says, you know, this thing has been studied in this way before, but this particular aspect has never really been studied or this has not been understood. Mm. Fine, but where does the replication come in? Where, why are we not properly replicating studies over and over again? Because it's only then, especially with social science, because you're talking about fairly small numbers. I mean, mm-hmm. a, an experiment, you could be talking about, I don't know, 50 to 100, 150. It, that's quite a decent sized study. Well, that's, and I know you're, you're trying to pick, um, what you might describe as a random sample 
with scare quotes, but there is no such thing. And it's always, you know, you need to replicate these studies. So part of the problem is, again, I guess part of um, the fault of the way that research is done at times. So I think there's things for everybody to kind of think about there. Not that people are going to listen to us, but, but that's my view. Well, there we go. <laughs> Fix the world yet again. <laughs> yeah. Um, so um, I've got a couple of other things to just do before we before we wrap up. Mm. Uh, what can help then was, was the question that I wanted to ask. And so one of the things um, is not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. So the idea of institutions who have many, many years and a lot of stake in getting things right. I think, you know, let's not just ignore all those, but there are things that these institutions and individual researchers can do better. Um, part of that is an understanding about the nature of science and how science progresses. It's not a revelation from God. You know, it is a, a process of continual trying to prove, if you like, or find evidence for something and then testing it and then testing it again and then coming up with another possibility and testing that. So you're all the time trying to prove people wrong, essentially. And that's what science does. So it's we need to understand that's how science works. I think also a bit more understanding of, of the fact that science is never about absolute certainty. So authorities are never going to give you an answer that is 100% authoritative. Um, we have to live with a certain amount of uncertainty. Um, and so it's about increasing the level of certainty. And I mean, a, climate change is a good example of that. We cannot know 100% for anything, but we can know more and more and more until in the end that is considered to be a fact. Um, so I suppose the question um, was how can we improve it, wasn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. The state of play, as we mm. have now started using as a phrase. <laughs> um, uh, I suppose... I guess you're coming at it from the point of view of the others of the experts as well, aren't you as well? So I suppose, um, I, I guess from a listening point of view or a consuming point of view, it's just what I've been trying to do for myself. So I'll talk about it from that point of view is like I said, I'm having a bit of a flash bomb realization moment that I've got a lot of people telling me their opinions mm. as though they're facts when they're just, how they live their life and happen to be um, and happens to work for them. Um, so, you know, a few things have helped with that is, is I've kind of changed my content consumption. So I'm much more lining up my consumption with how we try and create our content, which is not making claims without backing. And if it is just an opinion saying such, <laughs> um, or, you know, when it's a conversation bit, you know, it's a clear distinction between mm. the research and not. Um, so I'm trying to line up my consumption more with that. And, um, yeah, you know, listening, considering who I think is an expert rather than you just get very carried very quickly into the algorithm of, of whoever it might be. And you don't you, you've got your guard down, don't you? Yeah. You, you know, so I'm kind of not putting my gut up all the times. You want to let your brain just melt, but like mm. sometimes, but um, being aware when my, when my guard is, is down with what content I'm going to put on. <laughs> yeah. And I do the same. I mean, I, I'm really interested in astronomy and physics mm -hmm. and all those and, and some of the kind of, you know, cutting edge stuff that I don't understand. Um, of course I don't, but I I'm fascinated by it and I like to listen to it. But whenever I see a new, youtuber pop up in my feed the first question i ask is who is this guy you mm. know who is this guy what was why should i um listen to this person's opinion you know and, and before i even start consuming it i'll ask that question and um i i want to be sure i can't be sure i want to i want to feel some level of confidence that what it is they're about to tell me that i I think has has come yeah. from somewhere where some 
I guess some standard is applied. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's I guess what what I try to do. Yeah, and and just even just making an active decision as to what I'm listening to, because even if it is someone that's you know, depends on what you're listening to it for. Do you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. there's some content they're not experts in anything. It's just chill content. Do you know what I mean? They're just mm-hmm. chatting about lifestyle, vlogging. You know, nothing. Yeah. Ground be- groundbreaking or oh, yeah. you know but they might make certain comments that you get pulled into or whatever but being aware that well I'm just here for a chill easy content time and I've chosen to listen to it for that purpose I'm not gonna you know necessarily have it color my opinions or use or whatever yeah. I'm just this is just chill brain time and if I want something to actually if 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 it does spark a conversation or a you know I'm like oh that's mm. that's interesting then I'll go to somewhere to actually find that out I think the point you made before was was great is, you know, there needs to be a division between um, an authority giving information that they have some weight behind and compare that to opinion pieces, which mm-hmm. um, are different. And so you can consume them in a, in a different yeah, way. Exactly. Um, yeah, exactly. So we're nearly there, Celine. Uh, one very last point before I let you go and have your, um, what you're having tonight? What's your dinner? Uh, well, I had, I had, I'm, I'm, you know, winning at life. I've already had my pasta. Ah, I have, but okay. then I have to go do the stairs from hell for half an hour. It's oh, exercise time, is it? Yeah. Right. Okay. So very quickly, um, we can't really finish a podcast about authority for me, who's an ex-Jehovah's Witness, ex-member of a cult, without thinking about the way that cults um, use authority. So cult leaders take authority upon themselves. They proclaim authority in something often without any real experience or qualifications um they just claim it and then on the basis of that they they find a certain number of people who give them that authority and there is also a certain amount of social uh pressure then on the other people that come into the group because they then have I, I suppose a, a social type of authority. So um, we know that if you can get somebody to say how great your product is, you know, I used it and it was brilliant, then that in itself increases the authority and the uh, credibility of the the company or the person. And that's what essentially is happening. So when somebody goes along to a cult meeting and everybody's saying how wonderful this this cult leader is or this organisation is, then that itself creates a social proof and people then are more likely to accept that authority. So for instance, you know, Jehovah's Witnesses governing body, most of them have, as far as I know, very few, if any, proper qualifications in things like um, theology, they're not Bible scholars, um, they have been trained as Jehovah's Witnesses, but they don't have any proper qualifications I stand corrected if somebody wants to correct me on that. But as far as I can see, they don't have any proper academic qualifications. But they proclaim that they they are the authority in these areas. When it comes to changing policies or changing doctrines, they claim new light. So new light has been shed on a passage of scripture. That means that when this scripture meant this in the past, it now no longer means that it means something different. Now, in a scientific situation, you'd say, right, okay, well, where's the evidence for this new understanding of what's happened? Where's the experiment? Where's the research? Where's the uh, survey data? Where's the where's the study? You know, and but there is none of that within these groups. So all you are told is that you need to be obedient to the authority that you're that you're being told what the truth now is and that's a very different type of authority so for me authorities within religions particularly cults um, other groups like this who claim authority just because they claim it part that's part of the problem it's part of what makes them a cult if you're not open to um, critical challenge then this is not a genuine legitimate authority. That's my view. I'd agree with that. Yeah. I think if um, 
you know, if you if you're if you're unable to withstand being looked at, yeah, yeah, <laughs> then you know how how um, how much can we believe? Absolutely, and that in itself should undermine the credibility of anyone that claims to be an expert or an authority if they are unwilling to engage and debate and discuss then as far as I'm concerned, that undermines their very credibility. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's for me, that was one of the reasons why mm-hmm. I left because I, I couldn't, I couldn't explore these ideas anywhere else other than through the approved governing body literature. And that for me is, is a disqualifier. Mm-hmm. Good. All right. Well, I reckon that's authority done now. We've talked about authority for like two hours um, for two so, episodes yeah. yeah yeah if you're not done with authority i don't know what to tell you because we're done so <laughs> we're moving right. on i've we're said controversial on. things i'd i'd with my authority say no one can question me that's it <laughs> i i've spoken <laughs> she'll never address it no that's fine if you, you can disagree it's fine. Absolutely. That's no, important. And as um, discussed at the top of the episode. Exactly. Like we could, mm. you know, we, we had a, a little bit of a discussion around that. Let's see Good. What All right. Well, time. thank you so much for listening, everybody. Um, I've really enjoyed that topic. And um, yeah, don't forget to like and subscribe. See you next time. Bye. Bye.